This is Daylight Magazine coming to you from Adventist World Radio Ghana, the voice of hope. Ghana, voice of hope. Today's Daylight Magazine has segments designed with you in mind. Stay tuned and be blessed. My dear listener, welcome to today's Reflections. Our nugget is titled, Dealing with Hurt. Dealing with Hurt. Let me ask you a question. Have you been seriously hurt? Is anyone deliberately hurting you right now? Is a friend or loved one maliciously treating you worse than your enemy? Jesus offers four ways to deal with such painful situations. Love your enemies. That is, be patient and kind to them. Bless, that is, speak well of those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You can find this in Matthew 5:43. Matthew chapter 5 verse 43. If you are to do these four things, love, bless, do good, and pray for your enemy, how much more to a friend or loved one at home work, neighborhood, or church. Believe me, consistently 
displaying these four graces to those seeking your heart takes the pain and bitterness from your heart. Try it. This is written by Dr. Samuel Crantin Pipim. And for more thoughts nuggets, you can visit eaglesonline.org and then click on weekly thought nuggets. Margaret Abebrese is my name. Thank you for listening. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Note down this quotation and read afterwards. That is Psalm 139. Read from chapter 1 to the last verse. The verse 1 to 24. Examine yourself. Sometimes our sins can block answers to prayer. Let the prayer of the psalmist be one of yours. Search me, O God, and know my thoughts. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Remember, God is all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere present. God knows us. God is with us. And His greatest gift is to allow us to know Him. He is ready to search you. Examine yourself. And if you cannot find anything, ask God to search yourself. And then, ask Him for forgiveness so that your prayers will be answered. God bless you. I am Belle Dollarville. devotional series on Valley View Radio and I am your regular host Sandra Ahia and with me here is our own pastor Ebenezer Ankuma. Please you are welcome. Thank you. Today is a further study of our lesson. We have been looking at the crisis within and without and our main text is from Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 3. Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruit of his increase. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. 
And if we could pick one word to describe the human condition since the fall, it will be crisis, the extent of which can be best understood by what it took to get us out of the crisis, the death of Jesus on the cross. The crisis must be pretty bad. After all, look at the extreme measures needed to solve it. And with this, when the Israelites had finally entered the promised land, after years of wandering in the wilderness, it wasn't long before troubles began. All it took was for a new generation to arise, one that didn't know the Lord. And a spiritual crisis started that, in many ways, infected the nation all through its history. It's a problem that, indeed, has infected the Christian church as well. The two kingdoms. And with this, we also saw that after the division of the nation, things went from bad to worse. In the northern kingdom, King Jeroboam made some terrible spiritual choices that had a long-lasting impact for evil. Tuesday, two evils. And it was against this background that the young Jeremiah began his prophetic ministry. The word of the Lord came to him, and he spoke it in hopes that the people if they would heed these words, would be spared the rain and otherwise were sure to come. The Babylonian threat, swearing falsely, as we all know, that when we swear against things that are false, it is going to bring a whole lot of dangers to us. But then we might ask ourselves these questions. Was there no one who did justice and sought truth? I believe we all will get answers to it as we go through the further lesson. And today, our further lesson tells us that ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. His commandments in his own eyes. When thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep all his commandments, which I command thee this day, to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord thy God. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And with this, we will offer a word of prayer as our pastor leads us through the lesson. O Heavenly Father, as sinful beings as we are, we have come to your throne of grace. Please cleanse us and make our hearts as wide as snow, so that whatever we may learn here, it will have a great impact in our lives, and that we will be changed completely with the wonderful words that you render to us each and every blessed day. Bless us and take absolute control over our lives, so that when we move out of this place, we will be able to share a word with others as well. We thank you so much for this grace upon our lives. Through your Son Jesus Christ, have I prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Beginning with a Friday study, as our sister just read from Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 8, the Bible says, Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 18, the Bible says, When thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep all his commandments which I command thee this day to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord. Then in Judges chapter 17 verse 16 and then chapter 21 verse 25 the Bible says in those days 
there was no king in Israel. But every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now looking at, looking at the above text we have just read, you will see that there is a crucially important contrast presented in these two verses. Especially in this day and age when many people revolt against the idea of being told by an outside authority what to do. Or being told what is right or wrong. Yet we can see here a clear distinction between these two worldviews. In one, people do whatever they think is right in their own eyes. In another, people do people are to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, thy God. The problem with the first position is that so often in history, what is right in someone's own eyes is often wrong in God's eyes. That is why we have to submit everything, even our own conscience, to the word of God. There is crisis going on. And as we have gone through the study this week, we need to be careful with who defines what is right or wrong. As we have looked at these two views, one view says people are to do whatever they think is right is right in their own eyes. Then the other view is people are to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, when we consider the first view, what may be right, what may seem right to me, may seem wrong to you. So if we want to judge right and wrong, based on our own ideas, it's not going to help us. But God's word is universal. If the Lord says, thou shalt not steal, it is binding upon every creature. And so God is the only one who qualifies to define what is right or wrong. Now, there's a quick summary of what we have studied this week. The crisis within and without. Now, God's people faced many challenges both from within and from without. And we, we had a quick history about the children of Israel. They were taken as first fruits. In fact, that was our memory verse from Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 3. Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruit of his increase. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. In fact, they were special in the sight of God when he took them from captivity in Egypt to the promised land in Canaan. And throughout their history, we have learned that when they obeyed the Lord, he performed so many miracles, performed so many good things for them. But whenever they go contrary to what the Lord has commanded, evil befalls them and they face the consequences or they face the punishment as a result of their disobedience. Amen. Amen. May the good Lord bless us all. Amen. Amen. any inquiries or contribution you can contact us on plus two three three two four four six seven three five two eight 
or plus two three three two four four two three five zero one seven or email us at radio at vvu.edu.gh or through the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana PO Box AF five nine five Adenta Greater Accra Region Ghana. We will expect your feedback. Good news, good news, chariots are coming. Good news, good news, chariots are coming. Good news, good news, chariots are coming, and I don't wanna leave me behind. Good news, good news, chariots are coming. Good news, good news, chariots are coming. Good news, good news, chariots are coming, and I don't wanna leave me behind. Well, there's a long white robe in the heaven, I know. There's a long white robe in the heaven, I know. There's a long white robe in the heaven, I know. And I don't want to leave me behind. Well, good news, good news, chariots are coming. Good news, good news, chariots are coming. Good news, good news, chariots are coming. And I don't want to leave me behind. There's a golden crown in the heaven, I know. There's a golden crown in the heaven, I there's a golden ground in the heaven I know, and I don't want to leave me behind. A good news, a good news, chariots are coming, sweet news, sweet news, chariots are coming, good news, a good news, chariots are coming, and I don't want to leave me behind. There's a starry crown in the heaven I There's a starry calling for you and for me. Calling for you. On the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you. And Good day, friend, and welcome to the Moment of Truth. My name is Gemini G. Gete, and today marks the beginning of an interesting series which I have captioned Hope for the Dead Dog. Hope for the Dead Dog. Come with me, if you will, to Second Samuel chapter 9. We will read all of the verses of this golden chapter. That means we will commence at verse 1 and through verse 13. Second Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 13. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may shew him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Adas Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may shew the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan had yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Mikai, the son of Amel, in Lodibah. Verse 5, Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Mikai, the son of Amel, from Lodibah. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. 
And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely shew thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy servant, or thy master's son, all that pertain to Saul and to all his household. Thou therefore, and thy son, and thy servant, shalt till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits, that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king had commanded his servants, so shall that servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, He shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lean in both his feet. I want to reread the if verse for us. It says, And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? It is based on this verse that we want to speak to you from the team, Hope for the Dead Dog. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that you have given us the privilege to study your word. It is my prayer, Lord, that you open our eyes to behold wondrous things in your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hope for the Dead Dog. Let's just look at a brief historical antecedent to the passage on our consideration. We are told in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, the story of Jonathan's son. He was lame in his feet. He was only five years old when the details of Jonathan and Saul's demise came. His nanny picked him up and fled. She made haste to flee, and he felt and became lame. He was called Mephibosheth. We are told that when David became king, that is, as you recall, uh, before he could even become king, in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 15 to 17, and then for the one and for the two, the last time David saw Jonathan, he begged David not to cut off kindness from his house. And David made a covenant with him and also with Saul that he would not cut out or cut off kindness from his house. And so when David became king, going back to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 8, he was reminiscing about the good times, and he yearned to show kindness to the house of Saul, per Jonathan's request. The only one left in the house of Jonathan, or the house of Saul, was Mephibosheth. He was astonished when he came to David. David did not only give him the riches of the house of Saul, but David also promised that he would have him eat at his table continually. And so astonished about this, he bowed himself to the king 
And he said to him, in the words of Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 8, What is that servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? This is what I call the dead dog complex, as you see in verse 8. He was simply saying, who am I? Am I not a dead dog? Question. Why should he lower himself to such a level? Did anyone curse him as a child? How can one dare refer to himself as such? The concept of dead dog is actually for one to refer to himself as a dog is a serious matter. The Encarta Dictionary defines dog in, I mean, connotatively as follows. A contemptible person, somebody regarded as unpleasant or contemptible. An offensive term, an offensive term that deliberately insults somebody's look. It is also something useless or inferior, something useless or of a very poor standard. That is what exactly he was referring to himself as. But let's look at the Bible and understand the meaning of that term dog and also the meaning of dead dog. In the Bible, the term dog or dead dog is a symbol of weakness and defenselessness. A symbol of weakness and defenselessness. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 43, the Bible says, And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou cometh to me with staff? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. This is the account of Goliath and David. He thought that David was taking him to be a weak and defenseless person. That's why he went to him with staff. So it is a symbol of weakness and defenselessness. On this note, we close our presentation for today. Until next time, may the Lord bless and guide and keep you as you keep the lively hope alive. My name is Gemini G. Gete. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for staying with us. Once again, you can reach us on plus 233-244-673528 or plus 233-244-235-017 or email us at radio at vvu.edu.gh or through the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana PO Box AF595. Adenta Greater Accra Region, Ghana. We will expect your feedback. I believe today's magazine has been a blessing. May the good Lord's hand be in your life. Amen. Remember to tune in same time tomorrow. Bye for now. <laughs>